Hello there and welcome into another edition of The Intersection with conversation highlights from the Meeting House on Faith Radio about a variety of topics including news, information, and lifestyles approached from a Christian worldview perspective. First up, you'll be hearing from Francisco Contreras of Oasis of Hope Hospital. The hospital in Mexico is known for alternative cancer treatment and there is a spiritual component which he explores. And Preston Poor is a corporate executive and a Christian. A while back, he noticed that the two didn't necessarily work well together until he allowed the Lord to show him some truths regarding leadership and discipleship. His comments are ahead. And on this edition of The Intersection from the 2021 National Religious Broadcasters Convention in Dallas, Bob Record of Total Life Impact Ministries discussed the importance of fathers, including the consequences that occur when a father is visibly or mentally absent from the home. That can also affect a person's relationship with his or her heavenly father. Learn more coming up. Finally, it's David Clausen of the new Center for Biblical Worldview at Family Research Council. At NRB 2021, he shared about the purpose of the center and the resources it offers to help inform church attendees about biblical viewpoints on current issues. This is The Intersection, a production of The Meeting House, and I'm Bob Crittenden. Dr. Francisco Contreras was a recent guest on The Meeting House. He is director, president, and chairman of the Oasis of Hope Hospital, which is located in Tijuana, Mexico, and offers a holistic approach to cancer treatment, including conventional and alternative treatments, including an emphasis on the spiritual. He and Daniel Kennedy, also from Oasis of Hope, have co-authored a book called The Art and Science of Undermining Cancer, Strategies to Slow, Control, Reverse. From a recent conversation, this is Francisco Contreras now. As a doctor, uh, even if I'm very effective, I can help patients you know, survive cancer and live a few years longer, but only Jesus can help you live forever. Mm. And so uh, to me, the most important thing that I, that I have is a mission to present Jesus Christ to our patients so that they will live forever in heaven, in that place where there will be no more pain, no more cancer, no more sorrow. Uh, and, and so that's my mission if on top of that, as Hezekiah, you know, got 15 more years by negotiating with God, I can help patients live longer here and better. Well, you know, glory be to God, I, I, I will do that as well. But the most important is to present the person of Jesus Christ so that they can spend eternity with him in heaven. Well, the name of the book that you and Daniel Kennedy, who is the CEO of Oasis of Hope, have written together is called The Art and Science of Undermining Cancer. So why is it that you and Daniel wrote the book, and why is it important to be read? Um, I believe that it's important because information is very powerful, and, and people uh, make decisions as far as uh, uh, treating themselves based on fear, and uh, they do not have sufficient information to make intelligent decisions. So I, I, we wrote this book because I believe that it's very important for people to, to know that there are alternatives. We, we, you know, at the Oasis of Hope, we are not completely alter- alternative. Uh, there are many cases where, you, where we use conventional therapy, but a patient must know when it's the best time to use it, uh, and when not, and that they have other options. So 
this book, in, in very easy terms, explains the reasoning for every therapy, not just uh, the alternatives, but also the conventional, so people know when they are very good candidates for whatever therapy there might be eligible for them out there. It's just that, um, again, people make decisions based on fear and uh, uh, with very little knowledge about cancer. The only knowledge that they have is that it's a death sentence, that you know that, that they're going to die because they have cancer, and that is not necessarily true. So I believe that this information brings tremendous hope to patients uh, with cancer and also brings uh, very powerful information as far as prevention is concerned. So I think it's a book for everybody, especially when we uh, know statistically that in America, uh, almost two out of three, I mean, one out of every two people will develop uh, or persons will develop cancer in their lifespan. It's two out of every, uh, it's one out of every two men and one out of every three women that will develop cancer. So we believe that this book is a, it's a powerful tool uh, for understanding cancer and, uh, uh, you know, all the science behind it to undermine it. And I understand that the book actually has a flavor, if you will, of treating the fight against cancer as as a war, as a as an all out, I guess a, an all out battle or series of battles. Correct. So tell me about how Correct. you integrate that analogy. Well, um, I think that everybody has heard by now since the seventies. You know, uh, the uh, uh, U.S. government uh, uh, at the end of President Nixon's uh, uh, administration declared the war on cancer. And it's been, uh, 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 you know, battle after battle. Most of them we have lost. Uh, uh, but I believe that if we apply the principles of war in our personal battle against cancer in the correct way, that we can definitely undermine uh, control or even get rid of cancer. And that is why we use that analogy um, in, in, in our book. Uh, and most people will will understand that um, fighting it as a war is a is a, is a good is a good um, uh, uh, way to understand cancer and and the way to to um, to fight it better. Francisco Contreras here on the intersection. You can find out more online at oasisofhope.com. Next up on this edition of the Intersection podcast, it's corporate executive Preston Poor author of the book entitled Discipled Leader, Inspiration from a Fortune 500 Executive for Transforming Your Workplace by Pursuing Christ. In our conversation, he discussed his personal story of living out his Christian faith in the workplace, as well as some principles that Christians can apply in their work. Here now from that conversation is Preston Poor. It's interesting, this whole story around Discipled Leader kind of is an, a little bit of a memoir, if you will. Um, and it's the idea that I was so focused on my performance and what I wanted to accomplish in my career, I literally forgot about people. <laughs> and uh, I, I encountered all kinds of stra- uh, struggles, challenges, problems because of that. And uh, there really was a breaking point for me probably back in 2004, 2005, when I lost a couple employees 
uh, had my manager look at me and said, Preston, something's got to change. Hmm. And I, Bobby, quite frankly with you, I was kind of a jerk at work, <laughs> to be frank with you. Um, but I really, at that point, I said, you know what, if I've got these leadership skills and abilities, uh, Lord, show me how to use, use those for your glory. Uh, I, I lay those at your altar, and I just ask your help because what I'm doing on my own is not working. And so uh, in that, uh, there was a breaking that happened. And the Lord worked in me and through me. He had to work in me first uh, before he started working through me. And uh, over time, uh, my character became more, I guess, Christ-like, if you will. And that started showing up in the workplace and uh, started impacting people's lives. And I started bringing people along, leading them, caring about them, developing trust. And it just made a big difference in my career. And uh, I know it will uh, for others as they look through the content. What changed and how did you do it? I want to use the imagery of a Venn diagram. All right. If you're familiar with a Venn diagram, right? So uh, it's overlapping circles. But yep. imagine for a moment those circles are separated, and one is your spiritual life, and the other is your secular life, quote-unquote. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's the way, uh, I guess, really, if you look at some of the data that Barna, uh, a research Christian research firm, has put out there, says that 70% of active Christians— out there don't integrate their faith in the workplace. So they, they have a separation between the spiritual and the secular. But what I propose is, is that Christians live in the overlap, that their spiritual mm-hmm. life is their life. And what I mean by that, that overlap is when you in that Venn diagram, pull those two circles together, there's a middle portion right there, and typically it's colored and shaded differently. But that overlap area, the closer you bring those over on top of each other is what we're talking about. That's the exact same thing. Um, and so that's really the picture I want to paint for our listeners. As you move from a compartmentalizer into an integrator, uh, you can do that, and that's what the book talks about. Now, Bob, you asked me a question, how did, how did that happen for me? Well, I think it was a breaking point for me, like I mentioned, in 2004, 2005. Uh, but then soon after that, a couple things, major things happened. Uh, one is that I engaged a professional an executive coach, uh, somebody that my manager helped me line up, and uh, I met with them for a period of months. And it was really a reflection that all the things that were going on around me, the one common concern, the one common problem was me. It was me. Uh, challenges at work, challenges with people, it was overflowing into my family life, et cetera. Uh, it was just a tough situation. So something had to change, and the self-awareness came from that. And at that same time, I started to intentionally lean into God's word even more so, uh, journaling, praying. Uh, uh, focusing on my spiritual life and trying, you know, seeking out how to grow and, and seeking God's wisdom and will. And then the next thing that happened that really made a big difference for me is I enrolled in a course called Christian Leadership Concepts. And it's a two-year, probably I tell people it's an MBA in Christian living. And uh, I was surrounded by a group of 11 other men. There were two facilitators, 10 participants uh, in that. And over a two-year journey, uh, Hal had this content uh, through Christian leadership con- uh, concepts, it really helped me start shaping what my life looks like uh, and, and really helped build me up, I guess, really, so I understood that I could actually live out my faith in the workplace, and then what would that look like? And so that made a huge difference for me, and that's really where the change started to happen, how it happened, and then, and then what the pivotal point was in that. Preston Poor here on The Intersection. You can find him online at Preston Poor. that's P-O-O-R-E, dot com. This is the Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House. 
You can learn more by going to meetinghouseonline.info or by visiting the programming section at faithradio.org. You'll find a link to the Media Center, the place where you can listen to or download full conversations from guests on the Meeting House program and the Intersection podcast. You can also find links to the podcast, to the Media Center, as well as iTunes through that homepage. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community, and the other is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from the Meeting House. And you can follow me on Twitter and access the Meeting House Facebook page. There's also a link to video content, including recently added content from the 2021 National Religious Broadcasters Convention in Dallas. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info, or you can visit the programming section at faithradio.org. Content from the Meeting House can also be found through the Faith Radio app and a variety of podcast platforms. You can search for Faith Radio Podcast when you visit Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Learn more when you visit the Meeting House homepage. The intersection continues now with the founder and chairman of Total Life Impact Ministries, Bob Record, in a conversation from the 2021 NRB Convention in Dallas, shared information relative to his book, Ending the Cycle of Father Wounds, Hope for Healing and Preventing Infections Caused by Relational Wounds. Here now from that conversation at NRB is Bob Record. In the fatherlessness, while there's physical non-present dads, let's talk about also fatherlessness spiritually, where dad is not a leader spiritually, fatherlessness emotionally, where he's not emotionally engaged, though he may be at home, he's not engaged at home, or fatherlessness relationally, where he is not building a strong relationship with the children as they grow up, whether it be because of work, because of hobbies, because of just not lack, uh, I mean, a lack of interest. We're not sure it varies from family to family, but the fatherlessness, when you add all that together, is overwhelming. No doubt. And so when you talk about, and I'll just use the word detached, of a father that's not functioning in his God-given role in the home, perhaps not engaged in the way that God would call him to be, not having the emotional connection with his kids, whatever the case may be, these, these different symptoms that you just described, what are the contributing factors of that? Is that something cultural, perhaps, that has been placed on fathers that they're certain, you know, they're supposed they feel like culture is telling them they should act a certain way. You know, is it something perhaps as far as their perception and what manhood looks like? What, what is contributing to this, do you think? That's a great question. There's a whole lot of answers. Let me just touch two. And I go into five in the book that uh, culturally are impacting dads and making it a challenge for them. But let me give you two. In 1800, 94% of America was living in the rural communities. That's when a dad with his kids worked together in the fields, ate together every night, got up and had breakfast together every morning. And they were taught as they worked alongside dad all about life, all about decision making, all about responsibility, etc. But then the Industrial Revolutions came in and there was a mass movement to the cities. Today, where it was 94% rural, today it's 85% urban and city. Therefore, there's been a mass shift and that has taken dad to get in a car in the morning or a plane or whatever and travel to work, get home often late in the evening 
time with children has been diminished. And when dad gets home because of the added travel back and forth, et cetera, he's tired, he's weary, he's got work, he's brought home, et cetera, et cetera. So it's put a strain. Add to that another symptom. Since World War I, 650,000 American soldiers have been killed in battles of different kinds since World War I. 1.1 million have been critically wounded. So you've had a lot of men who have seen a lot of terrible stuff, lived through it, many now living with injuries that they brought back either emotionally or physically. That impacts the, in, the interaction of a child and a dad, uh, of a husband and a wife. So all those with many other uh, implications have made a really real radical change in the life of a family and a dad at home. You have perhaps someone who is possessing that father wound and then he or she end up raising children and those father wounds are passed down for from generation to generation, multiple generations in fact. And, and there is a biblical principle with respect to the sins of the generation. And we, we recognize that this is being passed down. So there is a, what you're obviously addressing in the book is breaking that cycle, breaking what has taken place in the generations before and doing that from a biblical point of view. So if you have someone that is, you know, perhaps they heard those three questions and they are saying, well, you know, that's not my, that's not my experience. That, right. that did not happen to me. I did not have the, I did not have a, a caring involved father or there is, there is hurt. There may have even been abuse in the past, whatever the case may be, there's freedom in Jesus Christ. So talk about what you offer in the book as far as breaking that cycle. Okay, first, understand, do father wounds affect you? In chapter 3, I have a friend who is a very, very successful counselor, over 35,000 hours helping people with issues that regularly trip them up, and he put together for the book a self-assessment tool. That is in chapter 3 of the book, Bob, but it's also on my website, bobrecord.com, B-O-B-R-E-C-C-O-R-D.com. Bob Record here on The Intersection. You can find out more by going to Bob Record, that is spelled R-E-C-C-O-R-D dot com. Finally, on this edition of the Intersection Podcast, it's the director of the Center for Biblical Worldview at Family Research Council, David Clausen, at the 2021 National Religious Broadcasters Convention in Dallas. He discussed with me the work of the new center and how it equips churches and pastors to be involved regarding current issues. Here now is David Clausen. We did launch the Center for Biblical Worldview, which really is an intentional investment into pastors and churches and Christian parents. Again, a biblical worldview affects all that we do in Washington, D.C., whether that's lobbying state legislatures or people at the federal level. But we want to make sure that pastors and Christian leaders and Christian parents are really getting equipped with the, the resources they need. We just, we just did a poll right before we came on live. We were talking about a poll that our, my new colleague George Barna commissioned, and he's been doing worldview research for a long time. He shows us that 6% of Americans have a biblical worldview, only 6%. Well, it's more uh, interesting to me is that 81% of those who attend evangelical churches 
think they have a biblical worldview when in fact only 21% do, which that's 60-point difference right there shows there's a massive difference between perception and reality. And so there's that many people that think they have a biblical worldview, but they don't. We have some serious work that we need to do. Well, and that that gap in evangelical churches, 81% think they have a biblical worldview, only 21% actually do. And, And George Barna over the years has really developed ways to get at what people are thinking to actually determine whether or not people are people have a biblical worldview. His research has shown that in these times, 6% of Americans actually have a biblical worldview perspective. So that does tell us in the culture there's a lot of work to do, and within the church there's a lot of work to do. you got the 60-point gap that's there. So why do you why do you think that gap is there, first of all? Any ideas on that? I think for probably a generation now, you have a lot of pastors who have shied away from speaking to what might be seen as controversial issues. Um, whether, you know, let's take the, the issue of human life, uh, the abortion issue, or human sexuality. I think those have been labeled as uh, political issues or cultural issues, when in fact those are first and foremost moral and biblical issues. And so I think, and also I think just even in the pulpits across America, we've gotten away from preaching expositionally through God's Word. I think a lot of pastors like to do topical messages, tell stories, uh, maybe talk about the Bible a little bit. When what we need in our pulpits, Bob, is pastors that are preaching expositionally through books of the Bible. And when you do that, you're going to be discipling your people, giving them, equipping them with a biblical worldview so they'll see all of life through the Mm -hmm. lens of Scripture. But I think what we've seen in the church is we have not been doing discipleship uh, in a robust way, uh, the way that we need to be doing if the next generation is actually going to have what we could be calling a biblical worldview. David Clausen from Family Research Council joining us today here on the Meeting House on Faith Radio from the National Religious Broadcasters 2021 Convention in Dallas. All right, so as you talk about this Center for Biblical Worldview, let's give our listeners some ideas as far uh, or an idea of how it is that you are encouraging pastors and churches to really develop and grow in a biblical worldview perspective. How is FRC contributing to that? Yeah, so we have released a a host of resources uh, that are available for free uh, at frc.org slash worldview. So you can go to frc.org slash worldview. Uh, We released our biblical worldview series. It's a series of pamphlets uh, that look at all of these issues. We have one on uh, biblical principles for political engagement, another one on the life issue, another one on religious liberty, another one on human sexuality. And what we do in these booklets that, again, are, are free that you can just find on the website is let's think about the issue. What does the Bible say about this issue? Because, you know, Bob, not every issue that we deal with in the public square is addressed in the Bible. Um, it, it's just not. But there are some issues where there are chapter and verse. There's a what I would say a thus saith the Lord where God's word is clear. And where God's word is clear, we need to be clear. And so through the development of these booklets and through prayer guides and through Sunday school curriculum, we're going to be releasing a video uh, curriculum that can be used in youth groups that are just going to walk people through what does God's word say about these issues that we believe really matter, that, that, that make a difference in people's lives. David Clausen here on The Intersection. You can learn more by going to frc.org worldview. Well, we are about to wrap up this edition of The Intersection Podcast, the weekly production of The Meeting House. 
You can find out more at meetinghouseonline.info or by going to the programming section at faithradio.org. Through that homepage, you'll find a link to the Media Center where you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured on the Intersection podcast and the Meeting House program. Also, there are links from that homepage to the podcast, to the Media Center, as well as to iTunes. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from the Meeting House, and the other is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community. Also, you can follow me on Twitter and access the Meeting House Facebook page. Plus, there's that link to video content. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info. Well, thanks for joining me for this edition of the Intersection Podcast. I'm Bob Crittenden.